Aloha Kako, you're listening to Native Stories. Native Stories exist to share the voices of those connected to the land. Our vision is to create a resource for Pilina or connection to place, and Native Stories aims to activate Indigenous perspectives. Aloha Kako, Ova Ona Nea Lokolina, No Papule Oahumayao, Noho Aoma Kikapu Ame Wichita. Um, hello everyone, my name is Nanea Lo and I come from Papale, Oahu, now residing in Kikapu and Wichita land or better known as Dallas, Texas. And mahalo nui for joining us on another episode of Native Stories. So this is an, another episode that goes in part with our COVID-19 series that focuses on community work in the Hawaii Kingdom. Today we have Melissa Mayo, who is an ambitious leader with high integrity and passion for creating positive change and empowering her peers in the child welfare system. She has been a fierce advocate and the president on the High Hopes Youth Leadership Board in East Hawaii. High Hopes stands for Hawaii Helping Our People Envision Success, a statewide initiative comprised former and current foster youth between the ages of 14 and 26. If you guys have uh, been following, a few weeks back, we also interviewed uh, Delia, and she was a part of High Hopes. And so this is kind of a part two uh, podcast of that. We wanted to have actual advocates and people um, be able to come and share their stories so that you guys could know about the resources and how you guys can kokua also. So... The main roles of the Youth Leadership Board is to educate, advocate, and collaborate for increased opportunities for former and current foster youth, primarily between the ages of 14 and 26, along with serving the Youth Advisory Council for the Department of Human Services Child Welfare System. She is also a current Hawaii Young Fellow with the Jim Casey Initiative. In addition to Mel- Melissa's advocacy work, she is currently working on obtaining her bachelor's degree in political science and administration of justice at the University of Hawaii at Hilo. Uh, Melissa also uses her foster care experience in her career. She is currently employed as a youth partner, a peer specialist at Epic Ohana Inc., uh, where she works with youth that are in the child welfare system and mental health system. So aloha, Melissa. Mahalo for joining us on this kind of part two episode of Native Stories on the foster care system and, you know, advocacy and all that. No, hi. Thank you so much for having me here. It's, it's going to be an honor. Yes. Okay, so first off, where are you from? I, I know I kind of said it, but sometimes people move and all that kind of stuff. Um, and where do you currently live and what is your connection to that Aina? Um, I um, currently live in Hilo. I've always been a Big Island girl, but I've been I was raised in Puna. Um, it's where I feel my roots are. Um, oftentimes, I have to travel um, to the East Coast and to DC um, when we work with our national partners. Um, and every time I come back home, I have to always go drive. Um, even though I live in Hilo, I drive to Puna, go to Kalapana, things like that. Um, places where I really feel. Um, where I'm rooted at, I have to just go back and appreciate where I come from. So yeah, um, Big Island girl. I love that. I know. I mean, I haven't been to Hawaii Island since kind of last year when the whole, when there was, when I did the Mauna series, I don't know if you Mm -hmm. listened to that, but 
Hawaii Island is just so beautiful and I love it there. I mean, I, I feel like everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very biased when it comes to um the Big Island and Hilo. Um in particularly, we have, I think we have everything you could think of from lava to snow to the oceans to black sand, everything you could think of. <laughs> okay, so by your bio, um, obviously you're a monoahine and you've been through a lot of adversities in your life, but you've persevered and I love the work that you're doing. You're an advocate, you're a mentor. You're obviously doing things that you're passionate about. Um, can you share with Native Stories how being a Kanakamoli um, and, you know, an advocate and working for High Hopes has helped empower you to share your own story and help create systematic change within the fake state of Hawaii? Yeah, I definitely think that um, when I was a youth in care, just sort of some background information, I spent five years in foster care. I entered care at the age of 13 and then aged out at 18 and then went through the extended foster care experience to 21. Um, But it was during that time where I had certain um, mentors and um, started to be on the High Hopes board and then later was employed by Epic Ohana, where I was really... Um, taught the importance of self-advocacy and the things that um, come with self-advocacy and then advocating for others in care. Um, But through that work, I learned that in in Hawaii, um, youth and families who are Native Hawaiian are disproportionately um, found in the foster care system. I think it's about um, almost half of youth and families who are in the child welfare system are Native Hawaiian or part Native Hawaiian. So that's where I really kind of the fire was lit um, to know not only that I had this experience of being in foster care, um, but a lot of my culture and people, um, Native Hawaiian people are also in foster care. And I think that's kind of where I um, also had that passion um, to be able to speak out and, you know, help create system reform. Um especially growing up as a teenager in foster care, there there are about um, 15,000 children in foster care statewide. Um, and on average, um, 600 of them are ages between the ages of 18 and 26 um, who age out of um, foster care in Hawaii um, at 18. So I think it was all those factors that really kind of influenced me to keep doing the work that we're doing and kind of really dive in. It also brought me to do my local advocacy where just it's really important to just bring awareness and have those daily conversations with people to bring them aware of what foster care is and how many Native Hawaiians are you know impacted by the uh, foster care system because I think a lot of people in the general public aren't aware of those statistics and those things that happen every day here in our community. Um, Delia talked about how you as advocates have gone to have gone to the legislature and actually had a few bills passed. And I thought that was amazing and huge. Um, As a person who's politically active myself um, in writing testimony and trying to get other bills passed, I know that that takes forever. It's a lot of patience, but it's definitely good, good work. Um, Could you share about that? Yeah, definitely. Process and everything. Yeah, definitely. I think, too, just being able to go to that level of advocacy was so amazing for me you know starting off as just you know learning about self-advocacy and going um just advocating to 
do simple things like getting to see family and things like that and then going all the way up to going to the legislator legislative system has been amazing but a few of the bills that high hopes have helped pass was um the rights for children the bill of rights for children in foster care where children are really able to have some type of legal guidelines on how young young people are treated meaning that they have the right to a safe and safe home and they have the right to um, join a sport or join some kind of extracurricular activity where before it wasn't so clear um, in the system what youth could and couldn't do. As well as um, on those Bill of Rights, it's also a right that youth are able to choose what religion they are a part of if they want to practice a religion that is different from their resource family, um, their foster family, or if they want to refuse to participate in some kind of religion that their foster family participates in. So there's a lot of different rights that are in that statute that our rights are that youth and care are eligible to now um, now that that bill has been passed through our work on high hopes another really important one is um, extended voluntary care for youth in care um, you know youth you know just like youth like me I wanted to care for most of my teenage years and then ended up aging out at 18 and you know luckily I was provided that support after 18 I had a supportive foster parent and um, supportive family members and community but oftentimes youth aren't don't have that same support when they age out at 18 just like a lot of youth um who are not in the system um, when they turn 18 and go into adulthood they don't have that support so extended voluntary care is a system now that youth from ages from 18 to 21, are not only supported financially, but are supported with a case manager who can help them through things like housing and education and medical. Um, And so that system is now known as Imokako, where I've been um, able to be a current participant of Imokako um, and will age out of that system at 21 this year. And then another thing that I've done separately from High Hopes, but still at the legislative level, where I really got to um, go to the state capitol and got to be a part of the nitty gritty of the wording of the bill and everything was in 2018, I worked with the Friends of the Foster Families to introduce and pass legislative to reduce caseloads in East Hawaii um, for our child welfare workers. Because in East Hawaii, we have a very unique situation where East Hawaii is from all the way from Puna to Hamakua, which is a large piece of land on the island. And you could have a family where there's five different children and a social worker will have to visit all five of those children and they could be placed separately throughout East Hawaii. They had caseloads up to 55 and there could be as many children on that one case, meaning one family. So I was able to help with that, go to the um, state capitol and lobby for that um, bill to reduce those caseloads for each social worker so they can really um, better, in, in all, better serve those youth and families. Can you share with our listeners what lobbying is? Because I know maybe some people don't know what that is. Um, from my understanding, lobbying is, I'm really going to that. So in my experience for that bill in particular, I was able to fly to Honolulu and go to the state capitol and um, go before our legislative staff there and you know explain to them the reason why a social worker is so important 
in a youth's life and why that face-to-face interaction with a social worker at least once a month is so important when they're separated from their family, um, sometimes their siblings, their school, and even their community. If they're a youth who grew up in, um, for me in particular, I was a youth who grew up in Pune and then was um, later had to go to Hilo and was placed in a, a foster home in Hilo and changed schools. And, you know, that's not very a far distance, but it's a culture shock. Um, it will, or at least it was a culture shock for me. So yeah, lobbying is just going to the state capitol in front of those big important people, stating your reason why this is important and why they should consider passing the bill. Yes, and lobbying like is really important, and I would strongly suggest that if people are feel strongly about different causes or things that you know they want to be passed lawfully or you know to consider being that voice and helping to lobby um it may seem kind of weird but it's definitely effective like when you think about a lot of the time when it comes to government a lot of things are written out Um, people especially who are representatives and stuff they're in offices reading through all kinds of documents and when people lobby or when people go out and share their voices, share their stories, they put a sense of humanity back into that legislation legislation that they're reading and they're going through. So um, that's another thing why I wanted you to come and share your story too, because I feel that it's important to have your voice being shared because, you know, you guys did such big things and you guys do constantly do a lot of big things, especially providing that face to the the narrative that will allow that story so yeah no, no thank you yeah it's it was um a very interesting experience for me I was um 18 years old I had I think just had turned 18 at that time and you know it was really wonderful um because we had you know because I was a youth um and they saw that as a youth perspective I gave that perspective and they were really really um, pr- um respectful and really um really listened I felt to my story and the reason why that bill was so important so I I have great appreciation for that day yes and I love how your story you share about um your years in the foster care system but also like kind of shedding light on how you know you started off small in your advocacy work or just like in your life and caring about things and now it's progressed you into you know this next step step in life that you're really honing and fostering and taking on more kuleana as well by being a mentor to other young folks so what are i guess what are some challenges during that time of doing legislative legislative work and you know going to school and also right now you're you're still going to school and working as well what are some of the challenges that you kind of faced or while doing advocacy work that you can share with us? Some of the challenges, I think that, of course, you know, being a former FOSS youth is just um, having that balance to do it all, but knowing that I don't have to do it all. But I think, you know, honestly, it's been kind of in in a way smooth sailing in the way of, of, of balancing my advocacy work with High Hopes and my work with Epic Ohana and, you know, being a young person in Hawaii. But I think the challenges really started um, during this COVID-19 pandemic because it wasn't only, you know, my job is, 
you know, wasn't only advocate advocating for youth, but then it was working with youth who were kind of having that loss of understanding and that loss of normalcy during this pandemic. That's a good leeway because I was just gonna I was gonna ask you too about how COVID nineteen affected um, your work and your personal life. And since you since you just mentioned that you do, of course, you work with youth. What have been some I guess some strategies or, you know, rethinking and re-execution of doing that work with them that you've done? Yeah, I think, you know, because this pandemic kind of came quickly, you know, it was it was like one day we were we were not in it, and the next day we were. And so it really came to having those creative brainstorming sessions within Epicohana and High Hopes of how we're going to serve these youth. How are we going to do continue doing the work that we do? with all the restrictions that are on us um, during this time. Um, So one of the big things that we did within two weeks was we created a virtual town hall for youth who are currently in care. And it was kind of a talk story session just to provide that support and hope for current and former foster youth during this time um, and kind of make sure that their needs are expressed and their concerns are addressed. And so we partnered with our child welfare branch administrator to kind of, and then we invited youth from all over the state to participate virtually just to have their questions answered, make sure they know that they're supported during this time. Because, you know, a lot of youth have different services where that's either that's child welfare, um, their social workers would meet them or they're having therapy or even school or, you know, whatever sports them. And a lot of that all went on hold um, abruptly because of the pandemic. And so we were really just able to give them a sense of hope and they were here, they were able to hear from other young people who are current and who are current and formerly in foster youth, just to have that, give them hope that, um, we've already survived 100% of the things that we've already experienced. And this is just one more bump on the road that we're going to be able to, um, get, you know, move forward with, you know, with the support of our community and the support of each other. So yeah, that's one of the big things that came out of the pandemic was the town hall. And many things actually stemmed off of the town hall because it was so successful. And it's such a big turnaround after just two weeks of, you know, tirelessly um, working to make sure that it could happen. We were able also able to create enhancement funds, COVID-19 enhancement funds that are still now available to former FOSH youth ages 18 to 26 who have aged out of the system in Hawaii. And so we were able to give them a $100, a $100 gift card to eligible young adults just to provide for basic necessities during this time, whether that's food and groceries, gas, paying an electric bill, things like that. So these funds were all donated from our grant money that we're given as High Hopes Youth Leadership Boards. And so we all designated some money to those youth who really needed help during that time. And a lot of those monies were actually matched and doubled by the Hawaii Community Foundation. So we had a lot of community support that really stepped up during this time that I and my fellow High Hopes board members are really grateful for. Um, Another really big thing that unfortunately our youth who have graduated from high school during this pandemic, um, a lot of them, you know, there's the statistics are really low for youth, you know, becoming successful after a life after care. And so we, and oftentimes the high school graduation is the only graduation that youth in care celebrate because oftentimes youth aren't 
graduate from um, a university or a community college. And so we really wanted to somehow honor these youth who graduated high school during this time. So we created virtual graduation ceremonies um, to celebrate with the young people and just you know, honor them and respect them and hear, you know, ask them about their future plans, ask them if they need help with anything, you know, connect them to those resources along with, you know, our board member, our youth leadership board members who are current, I mean, former foster youth who formerly graduated high school, we were just able to talk stories with them and, you know, give them advice, reflect on our experience graduating from high school and aging out of care. And we also had some wonderful guest performances from like the Tonga Swiss sisters to Johnny Sweet who um gave some great performances just to um share in that experience with the youth aging out of care. Yes, I know that I've been I've been following after doing the interview with um Delia I like have been following High Hopes and I've been seeing they've been posting more a lot more content mm-hmm. and I've been seeing yeah some of the snippets of what you all have been working on and it's been really, really inspirational. Yeah, I guess it kind of hit everything that I was kind of going to ask about community, how they responded. So how has your partnerships been with the community? Yeah, so not only, you know, that one community partnership with Hawaii Community Foundation, um, matching our funds for enhancement funds for youth um, who are who were formerly in care. Um, we've also had, you know, in, in our Hilo community, especially because that's what I'm most familiar with, um, our KTA Superstores had made, um, has always been a great partner throughout throughout our work for the last 10 years or so. But um, they really stepped up and giving, you know, they gave a large donation to our work as High Hopes here for our Hilo, for our actually our Big Island boards, West and East Hawaii. Um, but they've also been just partnering with us, uh, getting the word out to people during this time about the experience that youth are facing during this COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, our Hilo, just with our child welfare system, they've been very a huge partner for us during this time. You know, I really have to give it to the Hilo community and the Big Island community because we've kind of been a tight knit community where everyone kind of just helps each other. And I really think that's where I'm grateful. And it comes to show that community partnership is really key in, in bringing awareness and as and advocating for system reform. I know since we've been doing this COVID-19 community work series, I've just been every episode. I'm just saying I'm so proud of Hawaii and everybody, all the communities coming together to help provide resources for people who can't get them or they need it the most. Um, Watching has just been so inspirational, seeing everybody just band together. So, I mean, I talk, I talked about this throughout the whole episode, but can you share with us some of some instrumental people in your life that were mentors to you or still mentors to you that have helped you along the way in your life? Yeah, definitely. I've, I think I've had a number of people who really impacted my life, especially my life during foster care. My foster parent, who I was with in their household from ages 16 to 17, right before I went to college. But he really was the one person who kind of taught me my worth of my story in care. And he was one of those people who actually kind of built that bridge of me, you know, serving in the youth serving world of child welfare. Um, Because he also serves, works in the child welfare system. 
another really big, I don't know if she knows that she's a mentor to me, but she is a, definitely a role model to me. Um, Delia, um, you know, she's a native Hawaiian woman, you know, who has outstanding out- accomplishments and, you know, has an amazing passion as an advocate for youth and care and system reform and is definitely someone I look up to, you know, as a person, as a young native Hawaiian youth, you know, who wants to go into system reform and be a lifelong advocate and is interested in politics and systems. She's definitely been a supporter as well as a role model. And I think also, too, I have to give a shout out to my other youth leadership board members on High Hopes, you know, the ones who, you know, are, had come after me and the ones who came before me. You know, youth can serve on the board um, until they're 26. And I, as a 20, 20 year old, I am much younger than a lot of the youth who, a lot of the board members who are on the board. And they've really shown me that just because we have all this things, you know, that came, you know, all these things on our families and systems that we were, we had entered and exited, we can really make a difference. And just seeing other former FOSS youth make a difference in this world and make a difference in our community has really been amazing role models for me. I really just look up to them and all the work that they continue to do even after they serve on the board. Um, And then I think one last person who really mentored me and really is a role model to me is, is my mom. You know, she did make very different decisions that had led me into being in the foster care system. But my mom was, you know, from when I was a young child, she was very community oriented. She served as a drug and alcohol counselor in Hilo for 10 plus years. And she was really looked up to in this community. And, you know, even now today, she is very well known. She is lifelong champion for the homeless population we have here in Hilo. And she's also that one connection I feel I have to my native Hawaiian culture. You know, when I entered care when I entered care I kind of was disconnected from that culture I didn't know who I was I kind of lost that identity as a native Hawaiian woman and my relationship with my mom today really is that one connection I have to my culture you know she's very proud of who she is and proud of being a native Hawaiian woman so I definitely look up to her as a mentor I love, honestly, I love talking about mentorship on Native Stories. If anybody has listened to all of my episodes, I always talk about, I always ask people about mentorship. But I wanted to ask, how did you even get into mentorship? Like, because for me, mentor, like my mentors have been such a big influence on my life. But honestly, when I think back on it, I never really put a name, like a hat on them as a mentor. They Mm -hmm. were just kind of people in my lives. But really identifying them now that I'm older and thinking back, like, hey, that that person was a mentor in my life. Some of them to this day probably don't even know they're my mentors. Like, they probably just think they're in my life. But like, I'm like, no, you're definitely, I'm putting the hat that you're my mentor. (laughs) Yeah. Because you helped me along the way. And you probably just were being a normal person. but it's the truth. I don't know where I was going with that, but there you guys have it. Um, <laughs> so wrapping it up, I, I like to ask this to everybody too. What do you kind of envision for the, for the future of the peoples of Hawaii and the Hawaiian kingdom and people and in the foster care system? And yeah. I definitely envision 
families being at the forefront. I think the day that families aren't really in the deficit manner manner and they're looked at as partners instead of people we serve, I think will be the you know, will be the ideal for the future. You know, another thing I learned throughout this work was uh, someone had mentioned the work that we do and as relating it back to the idea of pu'uhonua, having youth to have a place where they can, you know, seek refuge and seek um, support. So that's kind of one thing that I always have in the back of my mind is making sure that youth age out of the system with that permanency and with at least having one person in their life who they can really turn to and have a supporter and have a mentor as a youth aging out of care and a youth in in Hawaii. I like how you talk about a pu'uhonua because, I don't know, sometimes I think about just Hawaii in general and how it's kind of like the systems have changed from the Hawaiian kingdom to present, but also how, yeah, important it is to have these pu'uhonua are these places of refugee centers that us as Kanaka can go to and know that, hey, this is your place and that feel whole and themselves there. This is super random, but so I lived in Hawaiian homes my whole life. And when I got older, I started going to the homestead meetings and my parents my mom she moved to Kapolei on Oahu and it was like a new subdivision at the time and it was interesting to find that a lot of the Hawaiian home Hawaiian homes um, the different subdivisions they don't really have a community center and that's huge because when I started thinking about the rest of Hawaii there really isn't a lot of spaces mm-hmm. for us that we can actually do cultural things. And you know what I mean? Just like one one-stop hub shop where all of us can come and really reconnect. And I feel that in the Hawaiian kingdom, if we legitimately, even in like the different subdivisions of Hawaiian homes or just different parts of the islands had these spaces strictly dedicated to us it would be such a game changer especially like a lot of us being indoctrinated by america and being super displaced from our land but not only our land but from our identities like i can only imagine if we actually had those clear-cut spaces for us as pu'uhonua to practice who we are as kanaka um regardless of you know like our families or anything like to go to it would be like amazing. I don't yeah. know. I agree. I agree. That, yeah. So I, I wanted to ask uh, Delia, she shared some great resources last time and I'd love if you could share it again. How can people get involved and do you have a call to action for our listeners to do? Yeah, definitely. I think people who want to get involved and feel that kuleana to really step up for youth and families who are in foster care, I think one of the biggest things is you can become a foster parent, you know, also known as a resource caregiver. Um, PIDF, which is Partners in Development Foundation or Catholic Charities are two of the um, institutions that have contracts to license caregivers here in Hawaii. And if you don't feel like you could be a caregiver, there's also things like you could be a respite, which means you could 
um, have a time, which means you would have the youth for a short time if a family was going off island. So you would have them for a weekend or things like that um, if they needed a place to stay. So that's also something that people can do. There's also Family Programs Hawaii that have many different programs that help youth in care that you can get a part of. Um, of course, something called um, Project Visitation, where it's people's sole purpose just to bring siblings together that are separated once a month for a family activity. So there's ways to get involved with that organization. And of course, you could always, if that's not possible, you could always donate to Epicohana or High Hopes at epicohana.org, where we do a lot of great work to help our communities across Hawaii for youth in care. Yes, awesome. I know when I get back to the Hawaiian Kingdom, I definitely want to see those resources because I feel like if I knew known about it sooner, I would have, you know, helped like done that once a month, like helping. Um, siblings come together because that just seems like like you know awesome things to do and it's only once a month so yeah wrapping it up do you have any last thoughts of how can people get connected with you if maybe they they're feeling like too like contacting high hopes is too much you know yeah yeah I think yeah one of the one of the ways that people could help is contact High Hopes or contact Epicohana or just learning how they can be more involved with the child welfare system. But I, know, I think another thing really important, you know, down to the key of how we can actually create change in our community is just having those conversations. I think a lot of times those conversations are hush-hush conversations that people don't want to talk about. They, you know, people don't want to talk about foster care or or youth in care and things like that because it is sometimes heavy, a heavy conversation, a heavy content. But I think just, you know, educating yourself on what the foster care system is about the disproportionality of Native Hawaiians in the foster care system and having those conversations and bringing awareness. You know, if you can't become a foster parent, you know, talking to your friends, talking to your neighbor, talking to your family and those, like your communities that you're in and how, and how your community can get involved and how your community can help. It's just, I think, overall, the biggest thing people can do. Awesome. And are you on like Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, so you can definitely learn more about the work that we do for High Hopes. You know, you can connect to us on Facebook, which is the High Hopes Initiative, on Instagram, which is at High Hopes 808. And then we're also on Twitter. So yeah, on our social media, we like to not only connect with our young people and give them resources, but we like to connect with the broader community and, you know, use that use that platform for advocating and educating our community. Yes, I've been following them on Instagram. Well, I follow them on, I think, everything. <laughs> but they're really great. So, mahalo nui for sharing. And thank you, everybody, for coming on another and listening to another episode of Native Stories. If you all want to further connect with us, please do. We are looking for more stories and podcast host collaborations. You can download us on our mobile app for place-based stories and listen to us on all streaming podcast outlets. Just search Native Stories. Follow us on Facebook, again, Native Stories. And you can also find us on Instagram. Our handle is a little different. You can search our Native Stories with the O-U-R in the beginning of it. And we share daily on Native and Indigenous kind mail or things on all of them. So... 
make sure to share with us to all of your Hana and friends and Native Stories prides ourselves in being your resource and the more you share the more our Native and Indigenous knowledges and truths are told so sending plenty of aloha to you all out there and mahalo nui for tuning in peace